This is To The Point. A Rhino experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Hey, To The Point listeners, it's the host of To The Point Home Services Podcast, your boy, Chris Yano, along with my co-host, Mr. Tall, Paul Remental. Paul, how you doing, buddy? I am doing amazing. You know, Chris, I'm always bracing myself when you introduce me. If you're going to hit me with like a compliment, um, a job promotion, or just an insult that I have to kind of like backpedal on. But no, I'm excited, man. The stars have aligned today. We have a three-peat. You ready for it? I'm sorry. Did you say job promotion? <laughs> yeah. You know, you just never know. <laughs> I called you tall, Paul. Yeah. Thank you. Today uh, is... We record all of our podcasts on, on all of our, we have podcast recording done on Wednesdays and this is our third, but it's great because our guest is a, is a pretty cool guy. And, uh, I, I can't wait to, I can't wait to talk to him, um, and ask some of the questions and try to make him feel as uncomfortable as possible on this podcast. So that is well, that's not for so today. That's not what I meant by three peak for me. You know, there's three things about our guest today where that when I said the stars line, oh. here's what I mean. Got it. First and foremost, he's a podcast listener. So he's listened to podcasts. I think from what I understand, you listen to most of them. Thanks, Rusty. Uh, two, he's a client of ours. We don't always have our clients it's on family. here. We protect their family. confidentiality. And three, he's a massive Linux dealer. And you know that I'm a uh, you know, huge Linux guy that I haven't hid that from anyone, <laughs> including our listeners. So, man, I'm excited to have Rusty on today. So our guest, Rusty Cochran, is, uh, and his wife, Stephanie. By the way, she, if she, I doubt she's going to listen to this, but if she is, shout out to Stephanie. Um, president of We Care Plumbing, Heating, and Air in Southern California. But Rusty is, uh, yeah, like Paul had said, he's been a, uh, I'm grateful he's been part of the Rhino family, a customer of ours since 2019. Nice. Um, and we've developed a, a pretty cool uh, friendship. I did not know that you listened to the majority of all the podcasts, so thanks, Rusty. Um, but hey, man, glad to have you on the show. Thank you, and humbled that you're uh, inviting me on the program. So hopefully I can bring some good content to the show. You are going to bring some good content to the show. Will. You're, you're going <laughs> to do have. it. You already have. <laughs> All right. So, Hey, I want to uh, just talk about a couple things. Um, and so you're, you're where you're sitting right now is the uh, Marriott off uh, Marriott location, right? Which is that the old boat auto, the boat place that you bought and turned into this beautiful state of the art facility. Um, it, that's that's where you're at right now. I can tell by the window behind you. Yeah, that's correct. We were uh, Marietta, just like Georgia, but California instead. Got it. Yeah, yeah. It used to be a boat dealership, and when we bought the building, we we're actually looking at it and going, "Man, we're going to tear apart this beautiful building and make it into a <laughs> air conditioning place." You know, yay, how fun! But it was uh, just a big, huge open showroom, like you know, for the boats to be parked inside, and then the, a huge parking lot next door. And it's freeway frontage right behind me, so we have right. good signage on the freeway. But it was really, uh, I mean, it was about a, just under 12,000 square feet when we bought it. And then literally just kept the outside and just, you know, the same, but then added a two-story offices below and above. And then added on a warehouse. So, yeah, we went from around 12,000 square feet to about 30,000 square, a little over 30,000 square feet building. So. And don't you have a place that's out in Orange, too? Yeah, in the city of Orange, actually, yes. Right. That's why I thought, Okay. Um, so you were at a contractor the year, but that was when, what year was that? Do you remember? Yeah, that was 2014. Got it. 2014. Um, and the, uh, um, Dave Linux award winner, like nine times, um, nine times back to back to back to back to back to back to back. To back. 
So they basically just leave your name engraved on the uh, on the award. Is that kind of how how that works for Southern California? So pretty much what they do is, uh, I mean, it's funny because they announce it in January or February on a normal year. I mean, we've had COVID, but normally it's somewhere around February. And I seriously think that they have to go up to like the top of Mount Everest or something like that and carve this thing, this Dave Lennox trophy out of the granite on the top or something like that because it takes until about August, September before you can get the actual trophy. <laughs> I was wondering. I get it. Yeah, you take a picture with it, but then you don't see it, you know, for many, many months. It's just the anticipation of waiting for this trophy to show up. Uh, but it's a great honor to be in that group of uh you know, there's 25 dealers that win, 20 residential, five commercial, and to be a part of that award is really special to me. I mean, it's a black tie. They take great care of us. For for some context, you know, if if someone's not dealt with Lennox in the past or not a Lennox dealer, they may not be able to appreciate what it is what it means to be part of the Dave Lennox, uh, you know, award winning dealers. Tell me about some of the other dealers who you've gotten to know over uh, the period of, I guess, winning it nine times. Like, who are some other names that are in this circle with you? You know, there's some small guys that you've probably heard of, like, you know, uh, Dave Bagger from Horizon <laughs> Ghost. I mean, what are they, like, some, like, 250, 350 million? I don't even know, but... Five. Some, and then you've got, uh, oh, 500 million? Okay, whatever. <laughs> Close. Yep. I'm just going to turn my phone off and see you guys later. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, you've got, like, uh, Paul Kelly, uh, Parker and Sons, yep. you know, in... I mean, the probably the largest single location in the United States. I mean, they're doing like 175 out of one location. You got Collins Comfort, um, Airco Services in Tulsa. Uh, I mean, just, I mean, the list goes on and on. I'm drawing a blank, but yeah. I mean, there's uh, one stop in Florida. I mean, so there's a lot of uh, great dealers in there that are uh, A1 in, uh, which I believe is a Rhino as well. With, uh, they are. I think he's got one more year than me. He had to one up me. Um, so just to meet and, you know, rub elbows with some of the best contractors there. I mean, you're talking about, I hear the numbers differently. Maybe Paul, you know, a little different, but it's something like 12,000 dealers or something like that buy from Lennox yearly. And then it's, you know, like 6,000, half of those buy like consistently. And then you've got your premier dealers from that point. And then, you know, from to get the award at, you know, top 25. I mean, it's, so it's a, it's a big deal. You know, it's a, you know, winning that first one was just amazing. You know, we kept pushing for it and pushing for it and finally got it. So, I mean, I will say that huge honor, but it's the most expensive trophy I could ever buy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you still got to earn it. I mean, you did. You know, no, it's, I mean, you know, just to meet the uh, the high ups in Lennox and have that relationship with them as well as a special do. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it's a, uh, again, it's just top 25. Like that's a, that's a big deal. Um, you know, in, in Pat, uh, Mitiger, uh, a one up in Boise is a customer of ours and one of the like best human beings I've ever met. Um, yeah. I love the culture he's created up in, uh, up at a one. Um, but yeah, I think that this was his 10th year of winning, winning that trophy. You know, the funny thing with Pat is like, we had one of my best friends used to, we used to work together and he moved to Idaho, took, I mean, the family, the grandparents, the brothers, sisters, all the kids, everybody went to, to Idaho and I got him a job with Pat over there and you know he's i don't know if he wins every month but he's usually one of the top salesmen anyway there at a one and um so we went out to go visit them and pat's like well just stay at my house you know yeah. uh, he's like you can take my uh, you know he gave us his car his house i mean like everything he threw a party like it was just an amazing experience i mean like 
such a great guy. Went to the company to visit that as well. But I mean, it was like, what a great host. Did he make you sing karaoke? We did have a karaoke night. <laughs> when we go on these award trips with him. I mean, it's that guy's nonstop singing and, you know, he's a little different era. So it's hard to, you know, to do that together. <laughs> but it's, you know, but we're singing. He I mean, lo- even uh, Cooper Heating and Air is with us too. And he's always Gary Cooper, if Gary. you know him. Oh, yeah. Too. <laughs> yep, that sounds about right. Well, hey, listen. Also, um, I know off to your right is a uh, pretty sweet guitar collection you got going on there too. It's is that's yeah. On your right. yeah, that's on your right. Yeah, it's right next to you. Yeah, on my right. Yep. Case your guitar. So, um, so then I want to ask a couple questions. <clears throat> Number one, what's because I know you're a music lover as am I. Um, All time favorite concert. What was it? Oh boy. All time uh, favorite. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I mean, I have to be biased because it's uh, the favorite band. So it kind of like it probably wouldn't be, but I'd say Van Halen. But at the same time, I think, you know, the Eagles would be great too, just because it's hit after hit after hit. I mean, like every song was just amazing. So, you know, I'd, I'd put, you know, one of those two. So Exceptional. Both of them are, are fantastic. What is a, uh, um, I know the answer to mine and I, but I, I, it, uh, and I, I will admit it, but, uh, what, what band do you listen to that you'd be embarrassed that people know? <laughs> or is there any? I, don't know, I can't really think of it. I mean, I, I do have a wide range of music from Motown to disco to rock to hard rock to country, you know, all that spectrum. I mean, I, I uh, don't mean to offend the listeners, but I, I'm not into the hip hop or rap. But and I know it's I know it's a huge thing. But I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. Uh, you're but, but man, I mean, I'm thinking like poison. <laughs> poison. I love poison. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't like. So I'm saying I don't have any. Uh, I don't have any regrets or anything like that about. It. Oh my gosh. I think mine's, Chris. What's yours? I think mine's Nickelback. You do not. Li- you listen to Nickelback. So listen, like I, I'm. Oh, embar- I said I'm embarrassed by it. They put out some good songs. Everybody makes fun of them, but everybody knows they the do. Words. They make fun of them, but <laughs> what's wrong with them? Like I don't, I don't, I don't listen to back. Let me just make a comment. Just when I thought you weren't man enough to be vulnerable, you go and tell me you listen to Nickelback. <laughs> this is my. This is the best day of my life. This is the best day of my life. Paul loves Dave Matthews, and I can't stand Dave Matthews. Sorry, listeners. Sorry, I can't. I can't. I just can't do it. I think it's just the voice. I can't. Anyhow, okay, moving on. Um, I'm going to get more serious now, okay? Um, If you could have dinner, what we're doing is letting our listeners know a little bit about Rusty without actually talking about anything professional yet. But if you could have dinner with anyone, you've heard this before if you listen to the podcast, alive or dead, who would it be? You know, that's a tough question really though because, I mean, I would say God. You know, I mean, I have a... Be the Last Supper? It'd be, I hope not, but I mean, it could be. But I mean, I... (laughs) I've got some questions. <laughs> question you, God, but I have some questions. <laughs> I'd want the answers to. But I mean, even, you know, uh, John Maxwell would be great just to pick his brain. You know, great sure. leaders or good leaders ask great questions. I mean, just, you know, what are those questions? You know, so I mean, it's, uh, you know, yeah, it would go like Eddie Van Halen. Why not? Like, hey, you know, so I mean, let's just put God. Yep. yep that, that's, a, that's a, I'd be nervous. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I'd be like, I know, I know. I'm thank you, thankful for your grace. I'm thankful for your mercy on me. 
I know I haven't been very good this year, but <laughs> if you could just let me into heaven. <laughs> well, I apologize. You know, oh, that's funny. Hey, has anybody ever told you, you um, that you have a celebrity lookalike? Uh, you know, it's yes is the answer. And it, it goes, especially when I used to have my long hair. I mean, then it was all the time. I got to see a picture with you and long hair. I've not seen one. You need to send it over. I all promise right, we'll you, I promise we won't post it with this episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I get different people, but I mean, it's especially with long hair. Cause then it's just whoever they know. Oh, you look like Sebastian Bach or <laughs> Ted Nugent or, you know, whoever. I mean, it's just, you know, whatever they want to say, you know. <laughs> well, who is it? That's it? Sebastian Bach? <laughs> That's what I hear when it was longer. Now it's grandpa or something. <laughs> Chris, who is it? Who do you think he looks like? Oh, no, like? no. I was just asking the question. I, was just, I, I, didn't, I didn't have anybody in particular. I just asked because I always get I look like Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> I see that. You see so the I resemblance? Say, uh, Legend of the Falls Brad Pitt, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I heard Kevin Costner, but I don't see it. Oh, yeah, but I could see that. You know, if you've watched Breaking Bad, the lawyer, I mean, then, you know, he gets... Better call Saul. Yeah, better call Saul. They always say, you look like Kevin Costner. Like, he says it all the time in the show. <laughs> you look, I can I see mean, the like a really cheap version of uh, Kevin Costner. Like, <laughs> really want a low budget. <laughs> but no, I would say no. Well, thank you We're for indulging in me. Yeah, um, Paul, we all know who Paul looks like. Um, we do. Danny Tanner from... Thank you. Yeah, Paul House. And then, of course, uh, Justin Timberlake over here. I'm just bringing sexy back. Okay, let's get into it. I've already wasted enough time. <laughs> Thanks for indulging in our banter, uh, Rusty. So uh, let's go ahead and do this. So let our listeners know, um, you know, just a little bit of how you got into the trades, a little bit about your story and kind of where you are today. And, and please, like, feel free to, um, you know, like basically take us through a timeline so that way they understand why we have Rusty Cochran on the episode today. I'm still trying to figure that out myself, Chris. <laughs> We're about to, you're, I'm about to tell you right now through your own story. <laughs> so really, uh, I mean, I was my dad was in the trades. I mean, I've got a whole family line of uh, people in the air conditioning side of the business. And uh, But in high school for uh, summer break, you know, my dad worked for a company and I would go, you know, uh, during the summer and work with him as a helper into that trade. And then uh, graduated uh, high school. Went to a little bit of college, but it was more for refrigeration and air conditioning. So I was just doomed from the beginning. I mean, it was in the, you know, in that vortex that you can't get out of. So I started in that part and I did, uh, you know, just working from a helper to a, uh, you know, eventually a lead guy and then went to, into becoming a superintendent. We were a union track company and I was only uh, 25. And again, my hair is about halfway down my back and I got put into a, uh, superintendent role or management role at 25. And, you know, these guys have been going to apprenticeship school for four or five years. I didn't do the apprenticeship program. Anyway, they were, uh, I get put in charge as a running a territory in Southern California. And I mean, it just went from there. I mean, I did uh, actually prior to that, I got put on the commercial uh, side of the business because the owner said, Hey, we're going to go into commercial. Now we were doing track work. I've never seen package units, all these exhaust fans, metal ducting, government locks, all these different type of things. I have no idea what it is, but for like the first month I'm picking up trash and the apprentices are doing all the work because I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, anyway, so they put me in the, uh, to run this, our largest job we were doing was a uh, high school out in the low desert. And they put me in charge of it, not because I knew what I was doing. This is like a month later after never doing commercial in my life. And I have to go to these job site meetings every Monday and I'm like, and they're like, please God, don't ask me any questions in here. Please don't tell me. And then they're like, Hey, how's the science lab going? You know? And it's just like, 
I just had the gift to be able to, you know, you know, I haven't been in there yet, but um, I'll report back to you after this meeting. I was like, I don't know what the heck, you know, I don't know what's going on in the science lab. But anyway, it was, uh, you know, there are smarter people on the job site, but I could at least have the conversations with the people. And, you know, so I would end up doing that. And they made me the superintendent at the company back on the residential track side. And then, uh, I don't remember how many years, four years, probably into that, I became the general superintendent for the company, uh, you know, running the entire field. And then, um, you know, it, it was just my time to move on. I mean, it was a, it wasn't a family business, but then it became a family business. And I understand that nothing against that. I mean, it was a, he brought in one son, then another son, then another son. And, you know, they were new to the trade. They didn't, you know, I started from the field working my way through it. They went to college and they had, you know, the brains basically. So they were put into those positions. And uh, I mean, I wasn't forced out or anything else. I just saw my time. We got bought by service experts. And then, uh, you know, eventually that didn't pan out because we were a track company and didn't make sense to begin with, but then which lent its own service experts at that time. And then we went back to the, uh, you know, the owner bought it back from service experts. But um, at that point, it was just basically my time. I just, you know, went out and uh, actually had two buddies from high school that we started our very first rock band together with. So the three of us, you know, we're young. I mean, you know, we're going to go get, you know, we've been bought lifted trucks, went and bought the Nextel phones. You remember those things? I like it. Walk to walk or whatever they're called, something like that. And then, uh, you know, we just ended up, you know, getting started, um, not really ever getting started. I chickened out, honestly. I mean, we started like to advertise a little bit and then I, we got the license and everything like that. But then, uh, I chickened out, stayed with the company where I was at instead of it, you know, and then, um, stayed for about another year, then went and got my own license and, you know, ended up, um, you know, starting out like most of us do on the, probably that are listening to the podcast started out out of our house, you know, my wife doing the inside office, answering the phones and doing the books with a baby on one shoulder, you know, one side and one in the oven type of thing. And, yeah. um, you know, from there we uh, bought a piece of property with, a, you know, this is about the year 2000, actually. 2000. How old are you at this time? 28, I think. Okay. Somewhere, yeah. Somewhere in that range, uh, 28, 29. And, uh, you know, started the company, maybe it's, I don't know, 20 to 30, somewhere in that range anyway. And uh, we bought a one acre piece of property and had a metal building about, 900 square foot metal building for storage. It was on a one acre piece of land, a single wide mobile home, and then another one, a double wide. And the double wide had a family living in it. So we're just going to use the single wide as our office because we we're just starting. We didn't really have, we're outgrowing the house, but it wasn't really doing that much. And all I was going after then was new construction, custom homes primarily. Got it. I mean, because that's all I really knew was new construction. So we're doing that. And then we went, um, you know, we were growing so fast, we doubled our business. So we, you know, had the renters move out. And we moved into the double wide. So that was supposed to be funny because we went from the single wide to the double wide. We doubled <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, and we stayed in that, that office and we grew fast. We were, we went from, uh, you know, about then it was, you know, somewhere around a million dollars roughly in business. And then we were, you know, 5 million roughly, you know, fairly quick. And, uh, but we stayed in that building for nine or whatever you want to call it, that trailer for nine years. And then bought our first building and that building, um, now we're in about 2000, I don't remember, eight, something like that. And we're going to um, you know, take over the world. No, we got this building and it was like 13,000 square feet. And it was, that was a big building going from probably like 3,000 square feet to 13,000 square feet. For sure. 
actually wanted to build like a slick go-kart track in the back because we had so much room. And then four years later, we outgrew that building. So that's where we ended up buying the building that you were talking about earlier with the uh, the boat building that right. we ended up turning into a heating air and plumbing building. So, I mean, just as a progression, but it was uh, primarily, it was all just new construction. And then 2009 hit, you know, for those of that have all gone through that, you know, it was a tough time for us. We, uh, at that time in 2009 uh, or 2008, we were about five and a half million dollars. Again, primarily new construction. And I went to this class, Operations Accountability, that uh, Lennox offered. Gary Etker. SmartAC.com. SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with SmartAC.com. You've got to check it out now. Yeah, yeah. Legend. We were going through that class and... Like I had no idea what they're talking about. Like I'm serious too, because they're talking KPIs and benchmarks and all these different things. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And uh, it wasn't like that class didn't really do anything for me because I didn't understand what they were talking about. It was who I met in the class. It was um, his name's Chang, but anyway, he worked for the General Heating and Air out in the Palm Desert area, which is Frank Harrison at the time. And I mean, Frank Harrison is my mentor. I mean, he took me under his wing. He was a little bit bigger than us. So we dropped from five and a half million to about 2 million roughly. And we decided like, hey, we're going to take a different path. We're going to get out of this new construction and start doing service. When I went to his company, like it's just open book everything. Like he'll show me whatever I wanted to see. And he does it not just for me. He does it for all sorts of people. I mean, it's just giving back to the industry. It was really neat to see because where I came from, it was very you know, everything's a secret. Don't talk to vendors. Don't talk to, I mean, we couldn't even go to lunch or anything with vendors. I mean, it was like, you know, everything's a big secret. And, but he taught me a lot. I mean, that company I was at for the longest time was, I mean, he was amazing. I mean, we were down to the wire net. We knew how much everything cost. So, I mean, job costing was great. Labor was watched like a hawk. I mean, they're not producing. We're a union company, but it's like, you're gone, you're gone. And you're hiring five people right behind them. So, I mean, it was everything but following the union rules at that time. <laughs> That was crazy. But uh, moving along, we were um, met him and, you know, our guys are wearing, you know, sweats and jeans and torn up, whatever, just shorts, hats on backwards like you're wearing right now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, it was a different time. And we went to the, uh, yeah, there you go. We went to, uh, you know, his office and I took pictures, brought it back to our people and just said, like, look at us. Look at them. What looks better? So we went and got uniforms shortly after that. And that was the start of switching into a service replacement type model business. And, you know, he, he was a, Frank Harrison was a big, huge help in that transition to help us along. Now, of course, what's the hardest thing to do is implementation of that stuff. So, you know, from that point, we just grew and, and grew. And then, um, you know, he became like a, we always, at the Linux dealer meetings, you know, we always sat in the front row together and people thought we were father and son because we were always together. And then it ended up being that because everybody thought, <laughs> thought that, you know, it was father and son, you know, my wife and I ended up adopting Frank and his wife, Charlene. So we're actually the 
Robertson. He's the kid because, <laughs> you know, Frank and his wife, Charlene, it's, you know, they're going to be the last ones at the bar. And he's, uh, you know, 70 something, I mean, 78, I think now, 77, somewhere in that yeah. range now. But, I mean, he rides his bike every day. He's he's dancer. He's, a, you know, everything like that. So, I mean, it was a great inspiration for me to see how this model was done. And, you know, it, it helped tremendously, basically is my point. And then we would have goal, you know, um, once I started understanding. I went back to that operations accountability class three and, times. And it made sense then. I, it made sense like the third time. I'm a little slow. So, you know, I got, <laughs> I got to hear it again and again to get that message through. But, um, you know, even now, I mean, I, I'm still a learner. I mean, I have to keep soaking in knowledge. I mean, probably too much. It, it's probably mine to a fault that, you know, because you know, sometimes it becomes the flavor of the week or month, you know, like, oh, where did what did he listen to now? Or where did he go now? <laughs> so, you know, get too involved in uh, too many different organizations. So there's my long story that's, uh, you know, to where we are now. So where are we at? So where are we at today? Like, let's. Yeah. Everybody know where you're at today, given like so they have an idea of where you've rebounded to all these years. Yeah, so we went from uh, you know, like I said, from about five million in the trailer days, and then we went from five million to nine million to seventeen million just over a year. You know, that just happened, and then seventeen to twenty-three million. We hit plateaus at seventeen million. We hit a plateau, and it's like okay, we yeah. still, you don't have to. Like if you know, if Ken Goodrich is listening, he's going to say you shouldn't have to. You should just make money no matter what, right? I mean, like I said, super easy. He's, he's you know, super smart and you know, he gets it, you know, I'm, again, I'm slow. So I had to get, I had to hit the plateaus and, you know, we did it again. We grew again and, you know, we got to 23 million then hit it again, hit a wall, 24 million. And then we went backwards, then backwards, and, you know, a couple of times. And now we're on that pace again, we'll hit around 30 million this year uh, for we care. So, I mean, it's, you know, a hundred and give or take, but 160 employees, something like that. So, you know, and it's a, uh, it's the people really that, you know, we still have our first employee. We have our second employee here. We have, you know, lost some along the way, but then, you know, maybe the eighth employee or something like that. So it's long longevity with a lot of the people here. And I mean, that's what I, you know, strive for is to keep them. And, you know, I, I get close to them. I like, I love our people, you know, so it's a, uh, couldn't do it without them. Yeah. Uh, well, that's great. I really, I wanted you to share that information just so people have an idea and, and the, because the segue into this next piece is why, why that's important. I know from my world of being in the digital marketing, uh, world for home services, specifically HVAC plumbing electrical, how extremely competitive that market is. Oh yeah. Um, and that's complete outlier. It is insanely competitive so to accomplish these things this is why i always kind of bust your chops when you're always like trying to downplay like the success that you've had um it's actually super admirable um because it would have been easy to quit or give up or do something or you know but you but you're still in it and you're and you're competitive and you're and you're a player and um and so to me like i look at it as like that's it's pretty admirable because i know that market is so so competitive i mean I know you've come and visit with Paul Kelly um, and you went and you've been down to Tucson and, um, and you have some of these guys that you talk to that you kind of look up to, but there's a lot of people who are going to listen to this right now are like, Holy shit, this guy's, you know, 20, I mean, you're 10 million in that market. That's it's hard. And it, I'm glad that I I was waiting for you to talk about once you hit recession on how that changed your RNC game. I'm sorry, the new construction game to now retrofit and kind of go in the whole add on replacement route. Um, 
But it's interesting to know, like, you've gotten to this size, too, and you're still HVAC and plumbing, but you're focusing on the you know, replacement and service. Um, it's awesome. But now I, I ask this because I, I've seen some of the things that you've done because, you've, you know, you and I have been working together since 19. But what are you doing to stay competitive after all these years in a market like that? Because you essentially are all on that whole Southern California side. But what do you do to stay competitive? You know, I, I mean, it's not – you know, it's value. It's not price. So, I mean, we're not, we're not competitive as far as a price. I mean, and I know that's not what you're meaning, but I mean, it's in order to be relevant. I mean, it's, it's value building. I mean, there's still guys coming in with, you know, how we used to look. And I'm saying like, you know, to everyone out there, just put on a uniform, your people will stand about a foot taller, you know, because of it, you know, maybe not as tall as Paul, but I mean, we'll be (laughs) (laughs) well played. I mean, they, but they really, uh, you know, the look, I mean, you know, we've had to, reinvent ourselves too many times and that's again like yeah i like that better and then you know like we did our vans we wrapped 70 vans roughly and you know it was a it looked great at the time and then i did uh you know we found this crest logo thing and you know so we started to redo our vans again and then now you know we're just red and white you know vans so we redid them again you know about two years ago roughly and you know we still have some of the older ones out there which i just hate looking at but it takes money to do all that absolutely yep you know, um, but I mean, now, I mean, as plain Jane as they look, they stand out way more. I mean, less is more, basically. You know, so it's just all those things that, you know, come into play with that. Um, but it's training. I mean, it's constant training and, you know, um, getting the best people, you know, whether it's, you know, that they can sell, they can, you know, or they can turn over. You know, we're still working on all that stuff. You know, we're not great at it. We're, you know, we're, we're good at it at best, you know, but we're still willing to learn and, and you know, keep bringing in people, you know, ultimate dream. I'm not there yet. Some of the names you mentioned, you know, they have that school. I would love to have the, you know, university of we care, we care university, whatever it is to get, you know, we have a showroom in our building, which, you know, I was talked into doing, but you know, nobody comes to our office. We're going to theirs, but if you can get them into our showroom, they're buying, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, they're not, yeah. Cause they get to see it, touch it, turn it on you know, feel it, everything. You're like, that thing's not on. It's like, no, it's on. I mean, it's that quiet. But I mean, those are the things that make a difference because, you know, we can say some of those things. We'll come down to our office and then go to the other, our competitor's home. You know, uh, great, my lights went out. See, I didn't pay the bills. Hang on. <laughs> it's okay. So, um, you you're saving anyways, that so, still. So you're saving electricity by having energy efficient lighting that shuts off in the middle of a conversation. Just wave your hands. <laughs> so it's a uh i mean there's a whole bunch of things you know how you're how we're doing it and it's drive i mean there's you know i have to win but there's no finish line you know so it's like just keep on pushing and pushing if i get complacent then you're gonna have to start worrying because like what happened to him you know because it's that drive we can hit we can hit a record month you know and it'll be like outside i have to be like you know yeah you know we did it good job and it's true celebration but at the same time like but we could have did, you know, say we did 3 million that month. We could have did 3.2 inside, but it's, it's, but you know, you got to celebrate those wins with your team at the same time. You know, it's still like, I'm just, I mean, that's how I am. I'm just driven and, you know, keep on going. And, you know, back to the Frank Harrison days, you know, we would, you know, I go out to his all company meeting for the first time, you know, this is, I don't even know what year, but a long time ago. And it's like knowing his, operations manager at the time, he would say like, Oh, this year, I don't remember the numbers. So don't quote me on the numbers, but it'd be like, we're going to do 3000 maintenance agreements, 
you know, this year and we're going to do a uh, 8 million revenue. So, you know, he already told me the numbers, but then Frank's up and leading the group and he's like, looks at me, I'm up in the front off to the side and he's like, what are you going to do in, you know, what are you going to do this year in revenue? You know, or in maintenance agreements, I'm sorry, maintenance agreements. And I'd say, oh, we're going to do 3,001, you know, <laughs> to one up him, you know, then, you know, he's like looking at me like, okay, all right. And then in a little while, I'll keep going back to his meeting and then they'll say, what are you going to do in revenue this year? You know, it's like, oh, we're going to do 8 million and $1, you know, and he's like, he just looks at me, he's like, bring it on, big boy. <laughs> like, it was just that competitive, you know, that, that both of us are. I mean, we can't even play, you know, ping pong without making it into a, you know, when ping pong attacks. <laughs> you know, so it, it's, it's fun. I mean, it, it's a, it's a great trade. It's been great to me, you know, and, uh, you know, eventually we added plumbing to the mix. It just makes sense. You know, we're in the home already, you know, um, I get carried away, you know, pretty soon my, I was running out of building space on the outside because it was going to, you know, we're doing windows, and a lot of it had to do with the financing program that we had in, you know, pretty um, dialed in uh, financing program that was allowed to be put on your property taxes. It's still there, but it's not really relevant anymore like it used to be. But I mean, it was very dominant financing program. I mean, how can you do an energy efficient product when it first launched and write off 100% of it on your taxes? Yeah. You know, now it's, you can't write anything off on this, but it's kind of went by the wayside, but I mean, that's when you picked up, like we picked up, I'm sorry, we picked up the uh, solar and the windows and turf and, you know, we're going to be all things to everybody, but then you don't focus on, you start losing your core business, you know, and that's what we were doing. We we're just going down this rabbit trail. So, I mean, it was really on the side of the building was like, we care, plumbing, heating, air, solar, and tacos. I mean, just going on and on and on. And, you know, so it's like, you know, we just, we stopped everything. We do plumbing, heating, and air, and that's what we do. And we're growing much more doing what we do versus, you know, and I'm not against that. I mean, if you take someone like, you know, you get the right people in there and doing it, you can do that. I mean, you know, what Paul Kelly has done in his team, I mean, to put, you know, oh, we're going to add electrical, we're going to add insulation, and they've done a great job at it. You know, it's just, you know, uh, learning from them and using, a, you know, I still, I mean, you know, I'm working with uh, Josh Kelly from over there that, you know, helped them with the marketing, the sun, and, you know, he's a accountability guy that beats me up every Friday and, you know, but we had a good month and he just starts pounding on me and <laughs> in a good way. I don't mean it's like, no, I get it. You know, he's, he's there because he wants to see me succeed too, you know? Um, so it's been a really good relationship with him as far as that goes. But I mean, just, you know, surrounding yourself with more successful people is, is how you're going to grow and being open to it. You know, even in the company, I mean, you know, I've, you know, you've heard the saying before, but I mean, I got to surround myself with smarter people than me because that's how I'm going to grow. And that's how we're going to grow as a, a team as well. Yeah. Real quick. You mentioned something about breaking records. And I know you do something unique around your office to bring visibility to not just setting records, but exceeding those. So share with me what you shared with Mike a few weeks ago about breaking records. What do you mean? I'm not even following you. I'm sorry, Paul. The records. So you uh, have some records Physical in your office records. that you yeah, intentionally yeah, yeah. break. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we have. Um, well, we actually, we had one of our, you know, sales guy hit a record month. And first off, it was, I mean, I learned this from a different company, but it just fit me. It was like, wait, records, albums type of thing with music and everything else. So um, if a guy set like, you know, he sold $3 million and that was the record at the time, you know, we're gonna, we'll get a record for that. But the next part is the broken record because the records are meant to be broken. So it's, you know, again, you're going to celebrate that. All right. You did 3 million, but who's going to break it? You know, that's, you know, it's kind of that, you know, 
football team wins the championship, it's like, you know, everyone else that goes out and celebrates, I'm going back to the office to like, okay, now we got to defend the championship. So like, this is the same way. You're going to have the records and you're, you're going to have a shattered record on the wall now because you broke the original record. So the first one has to be an intact record. And then the second one will be broken records from that point on because somebody else beat it. So it's, it, it helps, you know, also keep them on their toes because everybody wants a broken record, really. I mean, they don't want the... Yeah. The record is the new record, but it's a broken record. So they're kind of getting ripped off. They get a broken record. <laughs> it, it, and it's simple and it makes it something that's kind of shared company-wide, right? To exceed yeah. whatever was was best before. Um, really quick, I want to transition to kind of more tactical, que- tactical question. This is something I know near and dear to Chris's heart. And it's around shoulder seasons. Now, you live in Southern California. It has beautiful weather probably more often than not. How do you manage through sol- shoulder seasons and how do you you know, take ownership of like reducing the volatility and variability and lead volume in business? Well, I mean, the, I mean, it's maintenance agreements. I mean, you know, we have to be in the homes. I mean, if, if we can do this correctly, we'll be there in the spring and the fall when it's, you know, they don't really think about us or care about us. So it, it's constantly, you know, on the phones, dialing outbound calling, you know, inside sales too is such a key to that too. I mean, the leads have fallen that we didn't sell. I mean, following back up on those things, they could be a year or two years old. It doesn't make any difference. I mean, still follow up on them. They're not, it's not a dead lead until they tell you to stop calling me. And we've already bought another system. I mean, keep working those leads all the way through it. Now we can do a way better job on maintenance agreements, to be honest with you. I mean, it's something that we know we have to focus on. The biggest challenge that you know, we faced was that we grew so fast on the install side. You know, for me, it was fast. I mean, I hear some of these companies are growing the size of our company. They're just growing. So, I mean, in our world, you know, um, we grew so fast, we didn't have time to build that you know, great service department that could really flip and turn, which really helps when you have the maintenance agreements to get those things going. But, you know, we're constantly training on it and getting better through it. I mean, this past year was our best winter, like going through the whole season, you know, uh, I mean, out of season basically and stay busy without, you know, guys missing work. I mean, so it's, you know, those maintenance agreements keep you steady year round. They'll get you the installs, the sales, you know, uh, to sell more systems uh, through that. And the same thing with, um, you know, we have girls in here that are, was a guy, I mean, he left, he became a comfort advisor for us, but as a stepping stone for him to do the inside sales first. And then he went to outside sales and, you know, they're producing, you know, over a million dollars each person you know, from sales that we didn't make. Now, would we have got them? Some of them? Yeah, absolutely. Would have got some of those anyway, but this is just that reminder, you know, that, you know, in the wheel, whatever you call it, to make that transition to, you know, keep, you know, keep sending them stuff, you know, send them thank you cards. I mean, I can't say enough about what a thank you card with a message handwritten from yourself to a customer after you didn't sell it. I mean, yeah, you should do it when you sell it. When I was selling for our company, uh, I mean, I was guilty of that. I always sent card thank you cards to the ones I didn't sell just because I wanted to get that sale. And if you put a personal note in there, like, you know, mention the daughter's name, don't be creepy, but just mention, you know, like, tell her, said hi, whatever it is. I mean, it goes a long way that you took the time and remembered and wrote something, you know, to them and mailed it. And personalized it, yep. Yeah, you want some brownie points, you know, send your, you know, send your guys' wife's a, a card in the mail, you know, when she opens it up in the mail, like, why don't you just give it to me? But it's not, it comes in the mailbox and it's a completely different feeling than it is if you was just handed her a card or told her. So simple little things. Yeah. Good takeaway. So, um, leadership, 
let's talk about that for a second because leadership uh, training is extremely important um, to really to, to grow and scale companies. Um, and we actually, we were, uh, I, we talked a little bit about this on a previous podcast. Like we, you brought up Dave Geiger and he was um, recording with us today too. And we talked specifically about leadership. Um, obviously when you have 20 plus, you know, brands that you're managing, you got to have phenomenal leadership. Uh, and then also how his role has changed, but then how he's, you know, created leadership underneath him. That's a good, reliable um, leadership. Leadership training is, is important to you and your growth, but um, what do you consistently do to, to keep strong leadership or just to, to give um, leadership training? Um, actually, before you answer that, one thing that uh, really got my wheels spinning, and I was talking about this actually with Mike, um, you know, Mike doesn't manage very many customers of ours. Mike is our, our um, vice president of digital, um, and, and he works directly with, uh, with Rusty. Um, but he and I were talking about this this morning that um, we brought on uh, Tom Howard from Service Titan, and Tom was talking about how he gives leadership training to every employee. doesn't matter what they're doing. If they're pushing a room and they're cleaning the shop, they get leadership training that he puts on. So um, it got my wheel spinning on like, we don't do that here. Um, we don't give everybody leadership training. We do, we do trainings and we do different educational things every month, but it really clicked. I was like, you know what? Maybe I should start putting everybody through leadership training just to maybe start to build that kind of leadership mentality, even in those who don't have it. Now, do you do something similar? Like what do you have like some regiment or anything that you do for your leadership team or, or, you know, what is it that you do to kind of to continue to build your leadership? I mean, there's a few different things. I mean, to be um, set in stone, like there's no special right path. Like it's just a career path from here to here at this point. But at the same time, I mean, we're, we do a, a thing called driven leadership, you know, which the easiest way to put that thing is like there's Rapport International, if you ever heard of them, or um, even Tony Robbins type training. It's like that type of training where we send the people off, you know, and it's not really about the company stuff. But, you know, no matter how many people like I separate my business from my personal life. No, you don't. It bleeds into each other no matter what. Absolutely. I mean, it does. And, you know, so we send them there, you know, and there's, you know, different, you know, kumbaya type stuff. But then there's also, you know, you want to, you care to journal about it. I don't like the journaling part. Like I just, you know, I, you know, that's not me, but you know, we're, you know, climbing up the largest tree in, in, um, in the North America. And then you climb up this platform. I forgot how tall the tree was over hundred feet tall. And then you say a power statement you jump off, you grab this trapeze thing. And then, you know, you're, you're all strapped in, but it's still scary climbing this tree. Sure. It's, you're tired and everything else, but most things like that, trust falls, but then it goes deeper than that, you know, um, you know, it's, it's really like learning how to speak, to get, communicate, you know, uh, stand the right way, you know, power stance. And then, you know, it's communication, teamwork, and you need all the people in that room to get you through it. You would never make it. And it's amazing how a three-day training course like that can turn complete strangers into the best of friends that you may or may not ever speak to afterwards. But I mean, like, you're tighter than you are with, you know, uh, you know, your own family. Yeah, and, I get it. You know, so you're when you leave this thing after three days. Now, driven leadership, they carry it further because afterwards they do a six-week uh, class and set up a Facebook account for just that group. When I went through it originally, you know, they didn't have any of that stuff, so it wasn't carried over. So it was the best friends of my life that I never talked to again. But now they they continue that, and that's what why they opened it up. They're just you know they came from another organization and opened up theirs because they wanted that retention to come back, you know, to them rather than, you know, you go and you never see each other again. So, um, 
you know, we've been doing that for a long time. I started that in around 2006. So that's one piece of it. And we really send everybody, not everybody in the company, but we, I first was sending everybody in the company and we do private classes. And, you know, the difference with that is you really want to send the people to that type of training that are your leaders or your future leaders, you know, the people that are really going to be there because the other ones you're, you know, they may or not be with you or they just don't have the, uh, the will, the capacity, whatever sure. you call it, to do that. So, you know, that's one part of it. And then a uh, map management action program. We've been doing that for a long time too. That's they're in a, uh, Costa Mesa, Newport Beach area. And same thing. That's a manager's class there. Great. But that's a great one. That's good. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, you know, that's really business fundamentals. I mean, if you ever read the book, Good to Great, that is like, that's how their structure is really building a great company. You know, it's a monthly meeting that they come in and facilitate it. Why can't we do it ourselves? We could, but we don't. You know, we all say, oh, we schedule it because this isn't going on. But when you know that they're coming at the, you know, that day of the month, whatever it is that they're showing up, everybody's scrambling around the day before, which you'd wish they do it because you had 30 days to do it. And I'm just as guilty, but you're running around to get your goals done before. They <laughs> and it's like, why don't we just do that anyway? You know, but, but there's companies like that out there that exist because we won't do it, you know, and, um, you know, I'll go right back to Ken Goodrich, you know, he's in map as well. Yep. And he's a big fan of them as well, you know, so um, actually actually had to had get approval from me for them to be able to do Ken because we were in there. Like, yeah, do it. So I only had one thing up on him. <laughs> and you had, anyway, and you let it go. There's, there's my little jab. But, no, Ken's great. But anyway, we, um, you know, so we do that, but even the little meetings that you have, you know, your, you know, whatever you want to call them, you know, your, uh, you know, the daily huddles, for instance. So everybody's reporting the numbers and you can do that you know, it's a little 15 minute meeting. We talk too much. So it ends up being a half hour or whatever it is, but yeah. you know, really a 15 minute meeting, but then, you know, learning from like other contractors out there that, you know, you don't fix it in there. You, you set up like, Hey, let's talk about that offline and set up another meeting and go into it. You know, we just did a great exercise. Josh Kelly came out to visit us this past week and it was a, the journey of the customer experience basically. And we have a big, huge whiteboard and we just laid it out one, two, three, four, five, like the steps all the way through it. So, I mean, it's, you know, I'm still learning. That's what I mean. It's like, you know, how do we get to the next level? You know, we've been chasing that 30 million for a few years that we just, we kind of stalled out, like I was saying. So, you know, I have to learn too, to, you know, to keep on going. And um, so anyway, it was laying out that thing so we can get to that hump and let's get to 50 million next, you know, type of thing. So, you know, it's first one step at a time. But I mean, it's just continued education, really, to your point. You know, it's, uh, you know, even in the um, other things is like sending our people, you know, we're a member of Nexstar. This is where I say we get too many because I'm an EGIA, Nexstar, Service Roundtable, um, ACCA, you know, we're in all these different groups. But I mean, Nexstar is the one we follow the most. You know, we just sent uh, some comfort advisors to the class in Ohio. We sent uh, service tech to and uh, service uh, sales manager. So, I mean, it's just, you know, going wherever we're going, you know, we do our uh, business planning workshop, you know, we go to right way in Tucson, you know, Rick Walter is nice enough to host and get us in there to do it. So it's, it's all those things that are developing the leaders, you know, uh, so we can go to the next level. Got it. I mean, uh, yeah, right way. Uh, shout out. They do listen, uh, customer of ours. Um, and, you know, part of this like uh, path to 30 million, did you, did you, was part of that, 
this acquisition type thing? Like, because instead of just straight organic, because obviously you just, like you just recently acquired another company, uh, Oak Island. Um, was that part of it or was this just something that had come up that like, how did, how did that, all that play out? So, you know, I'm not in the, you know, I don't have the private equity money. I'm not a right. investor, like that type of thing. So that's, that's another roughly 10 million on top of what we're doing. So that's not even part of the We Care team. I mean, they, they are, you know, off an arm of, but I mean, they're not, you know, we've run into two separate companies. Absolutely right. In that company, I actually have a partner, so it's not all mine. I mean, so a partner in that company, but um, great family. I've known them for 15 years plus. I mean, been longer than that. Like today they came up and trained our people, you know, because I mean, they have a great sales organization there. You know, I mean, they, they, their, their team, they close like 65% and the price is their higher price in the market, you know, so it's not about the price even with them, but how it came together was the two owners, you know, they, they're looking at one of them wanted to retire for, you know, just be out of it completely. And the other one, just like, I don't want to be an owner anymore. I just want to sell. That's all I want to do. I don't want to manage. I don't want to own. So it was an opportunity that just came up. The son was, um, you know, they've been telling him for years that he's going to get the company and, you know, the time was finally, you know, for his time, but, you know, he couldn't buy them out. He didn't have the money for it, you know, that type of an investment. So um, we were just talking. He's like, Hey, would you help me? You know, then uh, I'm like, well, why don't we do it together? And then he was like, you'd consider that. So, I mean, it really just kind of fell into my lap God. and it's relationship because um, Chris and Les Young, I've known Chris Young forever. And, you know, he's been in the industry a long time. I mean, you know, you know, some of the stuff he's done is, you know, Kenny um, Heating and Air, which was one of the big track companies way back in the day that was doing add-on replacements that he was selling. You know, he's a guy that was doing before internet, you know, door-to-door knocking, you know, and he still says that's the best way. 25% of his business is referrals. So, I mean, that's pretty strong. Damn. You know, I, I tell our guys they're required to get 10% referrals and we probably get about closer to zero. <laughs> I mean, he's driving at least 25% of his book is based on referral. It's uh, good to learn from people like that too. And, you know, he's still part of the company, but he just didn't want to own anymore. So, you know, it's a, uh, it wasn't part of the plan. It just kind of happened. I bought a company. I mean, give you an idea of it. I bought a company because I wanted to get into this. And this went back probably 10 years ago. And the company was, um, you know, roughly, I mean, I got, two trucks, a whole bunch of tools. It was more of a plumbing company than it was heating and air. But I mean, I bought the company for $20,000. So you can imagine what I got, you know, it was a whole lot of nothing and we didn't do really anything with it. So I never did it again. You know, it was just, you know, we've been, you know, I don't even, even the 20,000 I bought from them. I don't even know if I got my return on investment out of that thing because we didn't do it right. Like you just, you know, we weren't marketing to those customer base that they had you know, so all these different things, but I mean, it's been all organic really primarily for our business. And again, they're, they're separate and it's a great company and a great culture and, um, you know, look forward to seeing what they can do, you know, going forward with them. Love it. Really working together though. But, you know, they're a customer. Did now, obviously once you start talking about um, acquisition, as long as you're leaving the brands the same, there's not really any like, I guess there's integration. It's just not like you're not crossing the, you're not crossing the brands up, but you're trying to unify. I think what the, you know, the deliverables are, the communication is like all the same things so you can manage it the right way. But that's, it's all hard. It's tough. Like it's a lot of work after that goes down. Um, I mean, has there ever been a time when you thought like, 
I'm done. Like, I'm out. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there's um, there's always those ups and downs, I mean, for sure, you know, and it's, you know, you're getting your butt kicked, you know, like, hey, are we ever going to sell a job again, you know, type of thing. And um, you, know, you work through it. You just keep plowing ahead. And, you know, there's there is there's ups and downs all the time. And, you know, I mean, you know, quitting is not an option, really, for me anyway. I mean, I enjoy what I do. I mean, I, I obviously, you know, back in the days when we were in our band, you know, the band was so good that I do heating and air conditioning now. So. <laughs> Rusty Bones. Shout out to Rusty Bones fans everywhere. That's it, yeah. yeah. Was that yeah, the name of the band? Yeah, Rusty Bones. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, um, now That's solid. there's probably other ones out there, so it's, it's probably not going to be us, put it that way. <laughs> but anyway, it's a, uh, you know, I mean, those were the days. That was a lot of fun, you know, but I always worked, like, you know, it was more like a weekend warrior job doing those bands. You know, we yeah. played all over San Diego and, and you know, that was our scene. And then, you know, my son, you know, we bought him a little tiny little guitar and then he's, you know, kids learn so fast. I mean, it's just like, he's, I go, Hey, you, you learn how to play eruption from Van Halen. It's just a guitar solo for those that don't know it. And I'll buy you a Les Paul guitar, you know? And then, I mean, like two weeks later, you know, he's, we're going down to guitar center to buy him a Les Paul guitar. <laughs> Gibson guitar, you know, I mean, and then how old is he? Well, now he's older. Back then, he was probably like 14 or something like that. Wow. 12, 14. I mean, he's playing talent shows. And then they went on to play like Wild Wild Fest. And then they're playing the House of Blues, Whiskey A Go Go, all these, you know, oh. big places where band got their start at, you know, type of thing. So I was like, and he, he jammed on guitar, but, you know, uh, he does heating and air conditioning now <laughs> as well. <laughs> Well, you get sucked in. It's so hard to get out. <laughs> yep, yep. I mean, I tried to get him to start a band. He's got a younger brother, too. Got him on drums. Like, someone's got to make it. I got to lose this vicariously, man. You need to add one more guitar to that case. I know, right? If but. you if you could, uh, we're about, we're probably about, I mean, this this podcast has flown by. We're like 55 minutes into this thing already, which blows my mind. Um, that's Paul's favorite number to, it is. to, to go into. Keep but it on point. If you could, like... If you could go back and tell, you know, Rusty back in the beginning, anything, give him any advice when you were just first getting started, what what would that advice be? Because I guarantee you we have a, a, a quite a few listeners right now who are in that position looking for something to avoid a bomb, you know, or a hurdle or something like that. But what advice would you give yourself, um, old school Rusty? So – probably got this lesson about two years ago and this is the greatest piece of advice I got. It's the greatest piece of advice I could give. Like it. Sell it for more than it costs. <laughs> there you <Yeah>. go. <laughs> we That's have the title great. for the podcast now. Sell it for yeah. your NBA from yeah, the you school of business. Yeah. $10,000. Thank you. Get out. <laughs> We're all, you know, uh, but really it is, uh, you know, know your I mean, know the business side. A lot of us came from the field. You know, I was an installer. I mean, I mean, that's where I came from, you know, so I have a special, you know, my heart goes out to those guys up in the attics all day long, but you have to know the business side. I mean, that is the most important part. And again, I'm still a student, you know, it's a, you know, financials is not my thing. I wasn't an accountant, you know, I mean, I didn't know that type of stuff, you know, learning balance sheets. It's important. You've got to know your profit loss statements, got to know your balance sheets. You know, I'm more a revenue guy, you know, I chase revenue. It's like, Oh, let's get to that 5 million, 10 million, 20 million, 30 million, you know, go, go. 
but then you find out you're losing money behind you, you're dropping money anyway, left and right. So you, if, you know, knowing your numbers and comparing them from month to month or year to year, looking at those things, you know, it's such an important part of the business part of it, you know, where everybody thinks like, you know, everybody's job is important in the whole company. But I mean, you as the owner, you, you need to know the numbers. I mean, you know, be able to maybe not go toe to toe with your accountant because you better have a really good one if, if you're, that's not your role. Absolutely. You've got to know that and be able to question those, you know, where can we cut? Where can we save? Where can we expand? What can we, you know, it doesn't have to be like a, a, everything has to be cut, cut, cut. No, it could be like spend more to grow to be able to make, you know, make some money at this business. You know, um, we got our butts kicked in 2019 and, you know, it was a, you know, when you're down, that's really when you start paying attention even closer. So, you know, you turn it around and, you know, keep going. You know, you've heard a lot of those stories where you know, we were a million dollars in debt or 500,000 in debt, whatever it is, you hear those stories and it's like, but they survived because they, you know, paid closer attention to the numbers, you know, in the company. So yep. numbers, follow the KPIs and benchmarks. And if you hit those, you'll be doing fine. Yep. And you can't just chase that. I mean, like I've heard, you ever heard the term like sales fixes everything. That's at some uh-huh. point, it's not, it's not always true. Um, certainly is helpful. I mean, it helps. It's certainly it helpful. Helps. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't solve everything, but you have to, you know, not just focus on, well, if I sold X amount this day, if you're not paying attention to what's going out the door too, and you're, you yeah. know, all that stuff. So, um, great advice. And you don't have to know everything Like you can, you can start with a small group of KPIs too. And like, there's, there's plenty of people you can ask for it. Um, Rusty, would you be open to, um, sharing just, if anybody wants to reach out to you or ask any questions just about anything, which will certainly happen, um, are you okay with sharing your contact info um, with uh, the listeners? Absolutely. I mean, we go to, uh, you know, we're, I'm on LinkedIn, look up, you know, Rusty Cochran on there uh, from We Care Plumbing Heating and Air, or, you know, I can give an email. What what makes the most sense? Yeah, What's you, the best? I mean, that's fine. I mean, email, if you, I have the email I can add, if you want to add Rusty on LinkedIn, if they don't have LinkedIn, maybe we'll just go ahead and leave your, your email. Yeah. I mean, Rusty at WeCareTeam.com, you know, that's, find way to at least start the conversation, you know, or, you know, wherever I can help. I mean, you know, we were before COVID, I mean, we were having probably two companies, you know, at different times come in, um, you know, once a month basically yeah. to come in and just learn from us from the outside. And it's like, I mean, even some of the really large companies out there, like, you know, when four seasons reached out to me in Chicago, you know, that's a monster over there. Oh yeah. They wanted to come see what we're doing. I'm like, us? <laughs> <laughs> Rusty? <laughs> but, but I mean, the greatest part about that is the sharing part of that is, yeah. I mean, I get to ask this, whatever questions I have too. So if I can give them one nugget and I can take away 10, whatever it is, I mean, I mean just, you know, because it really doesn't matter what size you are. It's really, you know, asking the right questions and growing it. I mean, everybody has some kind of pearl of wisdom to help. So, I mean, I'm open to sharing. I mean, I think it could help me. I mean, it got us started in this uh, model and I'm willing to you know, give back. It's actually fun for me. I mean, that's the, uh, that's sure. the rewarding part is giving back. Absolutely. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you so much uh, giving us your time. I know I've been kind of, I've, I've come at you a couple times to do this and you've been hesitant. So I'm glad you finally, you finally toughened up and did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I appreciate you guys. Thanks. Thank you for having me on. I mean, you know, definitely the bourbon helped me uh, get <laughs> this thing today. So <laughs> I didn't know you're a now, bourbon guy. Now we know. Are you a bourbon guy? I'm really not, but I had to do something to get uh, to this. <laughs> so, 
Wow. Chris has plenty of bourbon he can send you leftover from the Rhino X. Okay. <laughs> well, just, um, if you could, just send me, send me a bottle of Happy Van Winkle. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think I he might find something different. Dose. Hey, ne- hey, never mind that $8,000 uh, addition to your invoice next invoice. month. I promise. Send, send a bottle, send an invoice. <laughs> Yeah. I appreciate you so much for coming on here. And uh, this was great, man. There's some really great nuggets in here. Listeners, um, I encourage you to listen, to reach out to Rusty, especially if you're in the California area um, or even really anywhere in the Southwest. And you can go see his shop. It really is a phenomenal shop. I've been there. I say the word shop. It's not even really a shop. It's like a, it's a pretty badass place to go check out. So um, but reach out to him. Again, Rusty, I one, I'm grateful that you've been a customer, you know, since 2019. It's a fun ride. I know that Mike, uh, you know, is – I get the text messages from Mike late at night, like he busts his butt for you. And, and you, I know you've been good to us and I appreciate our friendship that we've been able to kind of create from this too. So thanks for giving us your time. And then, um, you know, what I usually like to do is just share a, a review at the end of this podcast. Rusty, have you ever given the podcast review after you've listened to all of them? I'm going to probably say no. Perfect. Yeah, I, I, I will. How's that sound? Because I do, I don't do Facebook or Instagram, any of those things. I'm a lurker. But I don't like, I don't respond to anything. <laughs> yep. Well, I'll tell you this. You have, um, wait, are you on, let's see. Yep. You got an iPhone. So all you got to do is go to the podcast app that I know you got, scroll all the way to the bottom right and hit the right review button. And I'll be looking to add it to my little sheet to read off on one of the next upcoming episodes. <laughs> And, and a good shout out to you for Mike. I mean, Mike has been amazing, uh, you know, for us. I mean, he's always available. I mean, I'm getting emails at 11 o'clock at night, you know, whatever from him. One in the morning is like, when do you go to bed, dude? Yeah, <laughs> he's worked for me for or for us for nine years. He's on the, he's worked his way from literally in the call listing and reporting team all the way up through, learned his way, and he's on the executive team now. This guy got shot twice, robbed from by a 15-year-old kid downtown Phoenix and went into this – you know, he couldn't work at his old job, so he joined the call listening report. It's a, a phenomenal story, but there's no, nobody more dedicated, and uh, and it's great to see him. You know, like, but he's that dude, man. Like, he will go. Like, if you if you message him at one, there's a good chance one a.m. he would wake up and do whatever it is you need him to do. He wouldn't like, yeah, he, and he wouldn't fair. complain about it. So, um, but anyway, I appreciate you coming on here. I do want to read this review real quick. Um, it is a uh, another five star review from uh, Cooler with Bueller, Jason Bueller, another customer of ours out in Jacksonville. Um, Game Changer says it's I started listening to this podcast last year and I'm just amazed at how much knowledge and wisdom I've picked up. Chris and Paul are great hosts and truly changing the game for so many people. I was excited to time in to or to tune in to the latest episode with Tom Howard and it did not disappoint. Keep pushing forward for our home services industry, guys. No zero days. Wow. That's a listener right there. I love, love it. it. I appreciate that so much, Thanks, Jason. Jason. Um, he actually got the Arizona Cardinals are playing out there uh, in September, and he hooked me up with four four tickets to fly in and go check it out. So I'm going to go, and uh, and hopefully he takes me out on this boat, which is the name of his boat. You'll love this, Rusty. It's called Bueller's Day Off. It's so cool. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> so nice. Cool. All right, Rusty, I appreciate you, man. All right, thank you both. Thanks, Rusty. Awesome job. All right, listeners. All right, thank you. Th- listeners, until next time, we appreciate you so much. We'll see you. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really, really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, 
We have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, it's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. And if you don't know how to do it, here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review and be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.